Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Now they off with Mike. 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 All right, everybody, welcome back into Mouthing Off with Mike with your host, none other than me, Mike. I want to say thank you guys so much here for listening to the first technically 14 episodes, technically 10 of just the regular uh, week-to-week basis pro wrestling coverage show. So thank you guys all for, for listening up to this point. You know, when we look at this episode, this is going to be the first episode with the inclusion of AEW's new Saturday night show, Saturday Night Collision. Um, We recently, today, did get word about Collision, and usually I start the show with WWE, but this is some big breaking news. Uh, The theme song, the opening song for AEW Collision is going to be Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting by Elton John. So ladies and gentlemen, that means that Elton John is all elite, baby. Um, So that's really first and foremost is I just wanted to make that announcement is that, you know, from now on, we are going to be covering WWE, Monday Night Raw, NXT on Tuesdays, Friday Night SmackDown. We're going to then cover AEW, Dynamite, Rampage, Collision. So the show, until I can formulate and, and streamline it, We'll probably run a little bit longer with the addition of another wrestling show. Going to be covering six wrestling shows, plus the Mouthing Off with Mike segment at the end of the show, as we all love. Um, But just wanted to give that heads up as well. I've talked about it on the socials uh, for the last week, week and a half. New episodes of Mouthing Off with Mike starting this week with this episode will be releasing on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 12 Eastern. Just want to put that out there, ladies and gentlemen. We're moving to Sundays. That's it for the announcements here of the show. We're going to get into the show now, and we're going to start how we always start with WWE, Monday Night Raw, going into NXT, and then heading into SmackDown. So stay tuned. All right, my mouthing off with Mike Maniacs. So, Monday Night Raw picking up with WWE, picking up with the momentum we've been gaining towards the Money in the Bank premium live event. Um, This show, another really good Monday Night Raw. I said it last week, I say it the week before. Um, At this point, you guys are going to start thinking I'm just a sole WWE mark, but the truth remains, I thoroughly enjoyed Raw. I was thoroughly sports entertained. That's just my opinion. Like I said, everybody has their own opinions when it comes to the wrestling thing. I I deal with it every day. I see a lot of, um, you know, the internet wrestling community. Everybody's got an opinion about, you know, wrestling. That's why we made the show. You know, we want to get an unbiased opinion. And and my unbiased opinion really is, it's like, if a casual wrestling fan turned on Monday Night Raw over the last, let's say, two to three weeks, they would be entertained. They may not know exactly what's going on, but they would be thoroughly entertained, I think. Uh, And this Raw... It's the same story here. We start the show with what we all saw down the pipeline. We knew it was coming, folks. The announcement that Rhea Ripley will be receiving a new women's championship on Raw. We decided, they decided, you know, WWE, I say I'm we over here like I'm a part of the company. uh, They decided to go with that to start Raw. I think that was a great start. We all knew it was coming We saw Roman get his new belt. We saw Seth, the unveilment of the World Heavyweight Championship from the draft. We saw Seth win it. You know, we saw how that went. 
We saw Asuka get hers uh, last Friday night. And as I predicted on last week's episode, as I want to say most wrestling fans predicted, was that Rhea's Women's World Championship, is what we're billing it, looks similar to Seth's World Heavyweight Championship, the main difference being the white leather strap used. With the announcement of the new belt and, and the, you know, the delivering of it to Rhea from Adam Pierce. You know, my one thing is I want to say is, is that Triple H was there for Seth Rollins. Triple H was there for Roman Reigns. But then, of course, Adam Pierce unveiled the belt and, and delivered it to Asuka. And Adam Pierce did it again for Rhea. I would have liked to see Triple H hand those titles off, unveil them for the women. That's my that's my gripe here. I mean, that's could be a mouthing off with Mike, you know, the final mouth off, but I've got something else in mind for that later. This is setting up what we saw last week, setting up with Cody and Dom. Cody now shifting his focus from Brock Lesnar because Brock, in Cody's words, is taking his typical vacation now. You know, he's up and left. So Cody's getting involved in other things and Last week, we saw Cody get involved with Dom, Mommy, Rhea Ripley, and the Judgment Day. Now, this is setting up what we all knew was going to happen, and that we are going to be getting Cody versus Dominic Mysterio at Money in the Bank. So, this, in fact, this segment, starting Raw with Rhea getting delivered the Women's World Championship, sets up Cody to come out and call Dom out to a match at Money in the Bank. Rhea accepts it for Dom Dom, as, as most things with Rhea and Dom. Rhea, you know, does the talking. Dom is the, the scared coward, hides behind mommy, you know, gets the cheap shot in on Cody as he's leaving. While this is going on, I will say, I'm, I'm a little, I guess, disappointed that Cody's not in Money in the Bank. Since his return to WWE, I didn't. I had been anticipating a Money in the Bank ladder match for Cody, especially since he did not beat Roman at WrestleMania. I really saw Cody Rhodes being Mr. Money in the Bank. Clearly, that's not the direction we're going, and we're going to get Dom versus Cody at Money in the Bank. It's made official tonight on Raw. During this segment and towards the end of it, when Dom gets his little cheap shot into Cody, Miz tries to in, intervene and, and get the jump on Cody before their match. Uh, Cody and Miz do have a really good match, better than the first one that they had. Um, you know, all those, I want to say, you know, it's almost probably, you know, maybe going back on a year now, uh, you know, about a year ago when Cody and The Miz, you know, had that first interaction on Raw. Definitely a better match. The Miz, I don't know what, you know, he's, you know, working on right now, but he's he's in a, a form that I can only describe as that John Cena 2016-2017 run where, He's just firing all cylinders for me, at least personally. I really like what The Miz is doing here. The Miz, he hasn't been winning a lot, but that's okay because The Miz can do fine without a, a win. He 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 excels, you know, with those losses. He's still as relevant of as, as ever, and he still gets a reaction out of the crowd every time. So Cody and the and The Miz have a good match here for Raw. Things are really heating up here because Cody and Brock's thing isn't done yet. We know it's not done. We know. If you're a wrestling fan, if you're a fan of this show, if you listen to the show, if you watch WWE, you know that they're not going to leave Cody and Brock on a 1-1 on a tie right now. So we're going to get that third match. We're going to get the stipulation added. It's going to more than likely be at the biggest party of the summer, SummerSlam, live from Detroit, Michigan. And weird, weird venue, weird state for a SummerSlam, but I'm going to let it play out. I kind of see, you know, you've got the Great Lakes up there, so I'm going to let that one play out, but... 
I digress. Cody not being in the money bank really shocks me here. I'm sure there's a plan in place. Like I said, you know, last week with Cody and the finishing the story, you gotta let things play out, right? We're, we're very impatient as wrestling fans when it comes to letting stories play out. So I think let's just play, let's, let's, let's let this play out for now. Let's have Cody versus Dom at Money in the Bank. And if they really are heading in this full ramp up for Dom to be like this mega heel, have Dom beat Cody. I, I hate to say that. I'm a, I'm a big Cody stan, big fan of Cody's. Cody showed love, uh, you know, this week, retweeting uh, one of the podcast tweets, one of my tweets. So that was, you know, big love from him. Um, you know, really helps out a small podcast like this, get some exposure. And we got some definitely got some um, impressions you know on Twitter thanks to Cody so thank you Cody um, for the retweet I just it's confusing me here because I want Cody to win against Dom because you know Dom is Dom right we hate Dom and not in like a oh I don't like the guy personally more you know like the character right when I speak about the you know the wrestlers I'm, I'm talking about the character I'm not talking about the person I, I don't know any of these people so how could I say if I like them or not right I can tell you the interaction I've had with them most of the wrestlers I've met in my day super nice people as long as you're good to them, show respect. They're going to be nice to you and show you respect. I, I, I love to hate Dom, right? He's a great heel. And I want Cody to beat him because it, it, he should. It's Cody on paper, right? Cody is, you know, hitting that John Cena level right now. But I do want to see Dom get this, this heel, scrappy, coward win and just kind of add to this layers to the hard times that Cody's been facing. We'll see what happens. I'm excited for Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank's ramping up. And we are going to see a match following this. One of our Money in the Bank competitors, Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch is going to be taking on Chelsea Green. Becky Lynch does beat Chelsea Green, much to, much to the surprise of no one here, not to your host here, but good little match. Uh, Becky actually cuts a promo here on Raw as well. And I want, I want you to, I want to I take a note at this promo. Becky says, the most valuable person is the title holder, is what we believe. But the person who is number one that holds power is the money in the bank briefcase holder because they have the power to cash in that briefcase, that contract for a championship opportunity, anytime, any place for the next year once the ladder match is done. I love that promo. Like, that's just a great build. And, and to me, Becky's my favorite to win Money in the Bank. She hasn't done it. I could see it happening this year. Who else is going to take on Rhea? There's no formidable challengers for Rhea right now. Rhea's still mixing it up with the men's division, so the writing's on the wall. Becky is and Rhea is going to be that big money match some sometime down the line. Becky probably cashing in. Rhea and them having a, a feud with Rhea maybe catching, you know, the title back at some point. I, I, I really think Becky is my favorite to win Money in the Bank. Now, she is interrupted here. Zoe Stark does interrupt Becky. Uh, and man, oh man, there are some there are some hot, hot lines from their promo. Zoe basically says, okay, let, let's go back from the start, right? So Becky says to Zoe, you're, we know you're really good in the ring, but we all know you don't have a personality. And Zoe kind of gets like really on the defensive here and enough, enough. Like the only reason you have a personality is because someone broke your face and I'm going to give you another personality. And when I break your face and then Sonia and Chelsea come out for the scheduled match and there's this whole little like stomp to intimidate Sony and Chelsea and they no sell it and it just made Zoe look a little foolish. I like Zoe. I think Zoe has really high potential, really massive uh, potential for the main roster. So I'm not discrediting the promo work. Obviously we know I've watched her in NXT all these years. I know the promos aren't that great, but her in-ring stuff is mwah, chef's kiss. Becky kind of gets 
the better of this battle here. Becky's my favorite to win Money in the Bank. I'll say it again. It just, it just screams Becky in the Bank this year. After this, we get Bronson Reed versus Ricochet, but we don't get this full match. And I thought this match was going to be a good one here. I was excited for this. Shinsuke Nakamura is on the outside, kind of watching this. As we've seen the last couple weeks, these three have been kind of at each other's throats. Nakamura qualified for Money in the Bank. Ricochet did. Bronson Reed did not. He lost. There's some bad blood here. Bronson Reed wants to be in Money in the Bank, you know, and then he's trying to prove a point as to why he should be in. We'll see kind of how that goes, how that plays out. Now, what ends up happening is Nakamura intervenes on Ricochet's behalf. Bronson Reed gets the win via disqualification. We get a backstage segment later on on Raw with Shinsuke and Ricochet where Ricochet gets all up in his face and you know you start to see a little bit more of an aggressive side to Ricochet which I like to see. I like Ricochet. I've always been a big fan of Ricochet. Prince Puma Lucha Underground was my first time seeing him and dear god that man oh he's one of the best out there. Like he does not get the flowers he deserves. I like this little feud we've got with Ricochet and Nakamura heading towards Money in the Bank since they're both in the match. Uh, I like with Bronson Reed now so we're getting Nakamura versus Bronson Reed next week because Nakamura jumped the gun on Ricochet here and got to Adam Pierce first. So there's a lot of things happening here in like the, the mid-card story here, which I like to see. You know, unfortunately, Ricochet lost his tag team partner in Braun Strowman. Like I said last week, Braun Strowman's out with neck fusion surgery, recovering from that. Best wishes, speedy recovery to the big man. But what were we going to do with Ricochet? Get him in Money in the Bank. He's a surefire, perfect fit for a ladder match. He does very well in them every year he's been in them. I think a feud with Bronson Reed, Ricochet, Nakamura, you know, setting something up maybe to down the line if with Gunther, if, if that's a possibility. I like, I, I like where this is headed. I like this angle. I like what we're building here. Now here comes the very interesting part of... Monday Night Raw, is Finn Balor is coming to the ring to cut a promo on Seth freaking Rollins. Now, now Finn, last week, kind of screwed up Priest and, and his title opportunity against Seth in the Open Challenge, and Priest wasn't too happy about it. He told him not to show up. Finn showed up anyway. A lot of things are happening within the Judgment Day, and they're being teased on Raw as we watch it. Really unfortunate for Finn because Finn did not get a word in really edgewise. As soon as Finn went to open his mouth, the crowd was singing Seth's song. Seth tried to get them to dial it back a little bit. He could not. This crowd was a hot one for Raw, which you will never hear me complain about a loud crowd. You will, I will complain a little bit about the fact that like the poor guy didn't really get to get his promo in and this was going to be his big moment. This was his him challenging Seth for the World Heavyweight Championship at Money in the Bank for all those years ago, how Finn took away his career and ruined his trajectory and your trajectory kept going up where mine went down. You injured me. You ruined my opportunity to be the universal champion. And now you want to make these comments to me. You know, Seth basically cuts him off at the hip, says, listen, one of us all these years got better and one of us got bitter. I hope at Money in the Bank, I get the same Finn Balor, Finn Balor I fought at SummerSlam all those years ago for that Universal Championship. So we're teasing the Demon Finn. We're teasing a possibly a, a different side of Finn. You know, maybe we haven't seen in a while, I hope, a more aggressive, a more serious Finn Balor. It was just very unfortunate for, for him. The crowd was not letting him get it in. He, they finally were able to get it get it through. It was a good little promo. I would have really have liked to actually got to feel the, the full effect of it with Finn and 
calling out Seth and the history between the two. They've got great history, these two. Like, if these two are not rivals for the next couple years to come, then we're missing out on a big opportunity because they have natural rivalry just from their match from SummerSlam for that Universal title all those years ago when, uh, unfortunately, Seth did not mean to hurt Finn, but Finn got hurt in the match, and Finn had to relinquish the title the next night on Raw after winning it, after being the first Universal Champion. And, and he's 100% right, Finn. His trajectory was set off. Like, because of that injury, he was set back. He got lost in the shuffle. You know, he had a stint in NXT to kind of bring him back. Now he was the prince when he re returned. You know, he had the thing with the Fiend that put him put him back. He, he never really got a chance to, to get back to the world title picture after that injury. So it was just a big... It, it was really just an unfortunate circumstance for Finn, and I understand, and I really relate to this promo for him, and I, and I feel for him, man. I hope, given the opportunity, he does hold that World Heavyweight Championship down the line. As of right now, Seth should retain that title, that money in the bank, because I think the allure of Seth being cashed in at any time, from all those years ago when Seth cashed in on Roman uh, and Brock's match at WrestleMania 31, the, the heist of the century, I think... We need to see that same thing happen to Seth this time. He's the champion. Someone pulls off the heist on him, and then that just unravels him. That, that's what I would head in this direction. So let Seth hold the belt. Let the Money in the Bank briefcase holder be decided. Let that briefcase holder challenge for the World Heavyweight Championship or Roman Reigns' Undisputed Championship. Either one, but I don't see Roman dropping that title anytime soon until he surpasses Hulk Hogan's uh, 1400 plus day reigns that's just what I feel and that's just my opinion I think it's going to be on world heavyweight champion Seth and I think the money in the bank holder should the story should be when the cash-in is successful that the man who pulled off the greatest heist of the century has now had a heist pulled on him now after this we kind of get a little bit of a filler here Shayna and Raquel have a match Ronda gets involved Shayna gets the win poor Raquel I don't understand why Raquel is still kind of battling in the tag division. We're not quite sure on the timetable for Liv's return. But at the same time, Raquel is a great singles women's wrestler. She's, hold, she's held gold in NXT. So why not have her challenge Rhea at Money in the Bank? That's just my take on it. We get one of the funnier segments of the night. We got it previously earlier in the night. Maxine Dupree, Chad Gable, Shoosh, a thank you. And Otis, Otis, these, these three have such natural chemistry. I love it. Maxine Dupree serving looks, as, as, as they say on social media, serving looks on Raw, you know, with her singlet uh, and her little, uh, I guess, bra, sports bra combo that she had going on. I had seen After the Bell with Corey Graves, and I had seen that he had interviewed Maxine, and she had said that, you know, she's trying to make the singlet hot again. You know, Ronda Rousey was like, good on you for making the singlet, you know, hot and making it your own. So like, I just think Maxine Dupree is just a really great woman uh, to have on the roster. And she's, she fits perfectly with Chad Gable and Otis. Uh, this, this, this trio, I think this is going to be one of the funnier uh, comedic acts we'll see on Raw. And I like to see maybe Chad Gable get a little serious too. Uh, maybe challenge for... Maybe these guys get a, an opportunity at the tag titles. Maybe Chad gets an opportunity for a mid-card title down the line. But I love Alpha Academy. Uh, thank you. Um, Maxine was able to show off what Chad had been training her when Valhalla tried to attack her on the outside, and she was able to hit her with a hip toss. 
uh, shocking everyone. And then Eric of the Viking Raiders was pinned by Chad Gable. And Alpha Academy gets the win. Uh, thank you. Moving on, we are going to take a look here. And we are already here at the main event of Monday Night Raw. Your WWE Undisputed Tag Team Champions of the World, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus Gunther and Ludwig Kaiser of Imperium. Now this week we don't get the normal tag team duo of Ludwig and Giovanni Vinci. We get Gunther and Ludwig Kaiser. I like this because last week on Raw we saw Riddle take out Giovanni Vinci. So kind of playing on that. He's hurt for right now. So as in the words of Kevin Owens, Kevin Owens, Baldy is not here for this match. We get an absolute great tag team main event following suit from last week's main event of KO and Gunther. Oh my goodness, these men hit, beat the living shit out of each other. I, I just cannot get enough of Gunther on the main roster. I was actually, I will say, I'm not trying to sound like that guy, but I had seen Gunther, you know, debut in NXT UK, saw him win that UK championship all those years ago. Man, dude, has he come light years ahead of where he was all, like just a couple years ago to now. He's so damn good. He's toned down. The guy's a, a brick house. He's a, a freak. Like if I ever saw him in, in real life, you know, I'd, and I didn't know him, like I'd be like, holy shit, that guy's scary. Like that's, that's a scary dude. But these guys beat the hell out of each other. Sami Zayn gets the win with a blue thunder bomb on Ludwig Kaiser. As you'll see, uh, Sami actually posted it on social media. Uh, his wife had been doing the laundry and she was washing one of his shirts and he had Gunther's footprint on his back. So that just goes to show you how big of a meaty man Gunther is. Sheesh, man. These guys had a great tag team match. So, yo, Monday Night Raw, like I said, great. Continuing the storylines headed towards Money in the Bank, you know, with Cody and Dom with the Money in the Bank ladder match as a whole. Now we've got our final entry into it. Um, a match that I unfortunately did not talk about. So I'm going to be out of order here. We did see Damian Priest and Matt Riddle have a Money in the Bank ladder match qualifying uh, match. So this was really good. I liked what we saw here. I really love Damian Priest. I think Priest is world championship material. Now, Priest gets his qualifier, and this is what I had been alluding to earlier when I was talking about Finn and the Seth, and then I had moved right on to the matches and totally blanked on this. But there's a nice little segment with Priest and Finn earlier in the night where Finn is talking to none other than J.D. McDonough. And I had tweeted this on the, the Twitter here for the show that I haven't seen J.D. McDonough in a couple weeks since Finn had been peeking over of him doing the interview. We're starting to get that payoff here. I sense some dissension in the Judgment Day with Priest, Balor. I don't know, guys. Could we see Priest win Money in the Bank, Finn lose his match against Seth, and then Finn is so mad that they take out Priest and because he's been showing you know, too much of a, of a nice guy again? Because there's been no, some, some noticeable noticeable face work by Priest with some of the promos he's done with Seth and some other things. So could we be heading towards Priest turning back into a face and him being replaced by JD McDonough in the Judgment Day? We'll see what happens, but I like this is that Finn asks Priest, well, if you when you win Money in the Bank, you're not going to cash in on me, right, when I beat Seth? And Priest's like, no, of course not. So already just adding to that dissension and, and the possibility of them breaking up. So sorry, guys, I completely went out of order, so... Um, sorry for completely throwing the momentum off here of the Raw segment, but we'll be right back here with NXT, so stay tuned. Now 
All right, everybody, welcome back into this WWE section of the show. We are going to talk about WWE NXT on Tuesday night. So this week's NXT, guys, I, I tell you this every freaking week, I swear on this goddamn show, if you are sleeping on NXT, please, I beg of you, wake up, wake up, please. NXT has been so freaking good these last couple weeks, guys. Like, it just Shawn Michaels is cooking it. Put in the, the Shawn Michaels uh, chef meme picture. Get get it going. You know, I just, I can't give you enough about how much I love watching uh, NXT on Tuesday nights. Um, we start this week's NXT with Wes Lee, Tyler Bate, and Mustafa Ali, free agent Ali, shout out to the guy, taking on the schism in six-man tag action. Great opening match, some really cool spots, high flying all over the place. Just a lot of great, a lot of great action here to start NXT, guys. Ultimately, the team of Wesley, Tyler Bate, and Mustafa Ali, free agent Ali, get the win. You know, and we end up getting the announcement of NXT Gold Rush, which I'm very excited about. So the next two weeks on NXT is going to be NXT Gold Rush, where there's going to be championship matches. You guessed it, folks. So we are going to see Tyler Bate versus. NXT North American Champion Wes Lee with special guest referee Mustafa Ali. I like it. I really like this, guys. I really like where we're headed with this. I think this is going to be fun. I think this is going to be a really good match. I think Wesley retains. Possibility we'll see a little bit of a, of a edgier Tyler Bate. Or Mustafa Ali gets involved and, you know, things could go to a triple threat uh, down the line. I like where this is headed. I like seeing Mustafa Ali, Baron Corbin... Now, Dana Brooke, who we're going to see in this next match, being mainstays and coming back to NXT, coming back to their roots. Dana Brooke gets involved with Thea Hale and Cora Jade's match. Cora Jade mad about the whole battle royal, Thea Hale winning, challenges her to a match. I, I like Cora Jade. I think she's got really big potential. This match shocked me because Thea Hale won. Over the last couple of weeks, we've seen Thea Hale been working with Drew Gulak and Charlie Dempsey. They've been kind of teaching her and kind of getting her in the mind state of a champion, you know, to be a, a challenger to a champion, to hold the championship. This was a good match. Dana Brooke gets involved. She shoves Cora Jade into the steel steps. Hale is able to take advantage of this, gets a Kimura lock, little influence from Drew Gulak and Charlie Dempsey, and gets a huge win over Cora Jade ahead of her NXT Women's title match, which is going to take place on that NXT Gold Rush. I can't remember if it's next week or the following week. I believe it is next week. We are going to see Tiffany Stratton versus Thea Hale for the NXT Women's Championship. The next match was kind of a wild card for me was because I was expecting to see Nathan Frazier versus Noam Dar for the NXT Heritage Cup, but it ends up being Nathan Frazier versus Oro Mensa, who's part of the new group that Noam Dar has started with Jakar Jackson and Lash Legend. Noam Dar comes out in crutches and says he's unable to defend his Heritage Cup, but Oro Mensa is stepping up in his place to defend his honor. That does not work out so well. Nathan Frazier gets the win and is your new NXT Heritage Cup champion. Another great match uh, in this NXT Heritage Cup, you know, match run. You know, we got the first one with Dragon Lee, Noam Dar, uh, formerly on the NXT brand. We've seen a few of them on the NXT UK side. I've seen a couple of them. I've liked this match concept. I always thought it was new, unique, refreshing, uh, and fun. You know, it's, it's a different kind of setup. It's a different kind of match you're watching. 
I love Nathan Frazier getting the win here, becoming the new NXT Heritage Cup champion. Much props, much love to the dude. Uh, a super young guy in the game. You know, he hopped around. He went from uh, AEW to came here. Um, and now he's really finally starting to hit his stride on NXT. So sky's the limit for this guy, man. Great match here. And I really like what we're doing with this Heritage Cup. And I hope it continues. After this, we get Axiom and Scripps uh, taking on Daba Kato, Yabba Dabba Doo in a two-on-one handicap match, which Axiom and Scripps, the superheroes, end up winning. Very strange match. I'm, I'm sorry, guys, but this this one, this is the one feud rivalry last two weeks that's not clicking for me on NXT. Following what we had seen with Brooks and Jensen, Brooks and Riggs, I always do this, guys. Following what we see with those uh, guys fighting each other, we have now started to influence other tag teams on NXT to do it. We saw Hank Walker and Tank Ledger do it a couple weeks ago. Their bond has never been stronger, according to them, on NXT. Now we get Malik Blade and Idris Inofi versus one another in a really great match. These two guys are really talented, and the sky's the limit for these guys. They're newer. They were more on NXT level up from what I had seen. They've now shifted to the NXT on Tuesday nights because of how many members of the NXT roster that did get called up to the main roster. So I like that we're doing these over the last couple of weeks. We're, we've seen over, I guess, more months. We've seen that the tag teams are fighting one another. I like this. We don't do this enough. We do, but we also don't. Where it's actually just friendly competition and them trying to level themselves up. I like that. That's logical. Like, that's, that's just perfect. I'm a big fan of this. I hope it continues. I hope another tag team fights each other. The really fun part about this was that uh, Malik Blade was able to get the win on his tag partner with a roll-up. These guys were flying all over the ring, so I, I, I was a big fan of this match. After this, we get Roxanne Perez uh, beating Tatum Paxley in another good match. The prodigy, Roxanne Perez, continues to show out and show why she is going to be a founding member of this new NXT bloodline out here you know this new nxt that we've been seeing now nxt was not without its surprises guys we do see all of the tag teams in nxt in the ring hank ledger hank and walker uh jensen and briggs uh malik and idris and booker t announces an nxt tag team title number one contender triple threat that will take place week one of nxt gold rush next week then culminating with them, whoever wins the number one contender match, taking on Gallus. And, of course, Booker T finishes it with, with a, let's get busy! I love when Booker T says, let's get busy. Jordan pointed it out to me um, back when we recorded the uh, Battleground, <laughs> the Battleground um, pay-per-view recap, the Lost Files episode. Um, if you haven't listened to it, go check it out, because Jordan cracks me up with this. It, it's this, and it's the, and it's the, the, uh, the Juice Robinson Ricky uh, gets me every time. Let's get busy. Um, so Booker T's getting busy. We're getting busy in the NXT tag division. So I like this. I like what we're seeing. We get another, um, you know, kind of backstage vignette for Blair Davenport hyping her up. If you didn't catch uh, the previous episodes of the show, we now know that Blair Davenport has been attacking all of the women's uh, roster members who got hurt in the parking lot. A lot of the women, there was a couple women who had some injuries, and the way they wrote them off NXT was an attacker in the NXT parking lot. Smart, really smart. Blair Davenport was that attacker. Now we're also getting the continuation of the freeing of Tony D from the slammer. Tony D is still locked up, ladies and gentlemen, for crimes that he's committed or quote-unquote committed. I don't believe him. I don't think so. Free my man Tony D. The Don needs to be free. Stax is going to figure out 
Who framed Tony D? Guys, I don't want to. I don't want to be that guy, but I don't know. I, I originally said that it had something to do with Diamond Mind. I don't know if I, I might. Stacks might be involved here, guys. I don't know. We're going to see how this plays out, but hopefully Tony D gets out because uh, Mustafa Ali asked on Twitter who you'd like to see free agent Ali verse, and I said the Don, and believe it or not, Mustafa Ali liked that tweet, so I think he wants to uh, verse the Don when he's out of the slammer. So much props to Channing, uh, Stacks Channing, for getting or trying to get the Don out of jail. Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo have reappeared on NXT. They attacked Scripps. And Reggie after that Dabo Cotto match. So I forgot to mention that earlier. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all over the place today on this episode, guys. So this, this episode of uh, Mouthing Off with Mike is probably going to be the most uh, chaotic one. I'll, I'll get back onto it. I got a lot on the plate with all of the wrestling we've had. Like I said, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Friday night, Saturday night now. So we've got a lot of wrestling. So my mind's all over the place, looking ahead, looking back at all the wrestling. Main event of NXT, Baron Corbin taking on Ilya Dragunov in a number one contenders match to see who's going to verse Carmelo Hayes for his NXT championship at NXT Gold Rush the next two weeks. This was a hard-hitting match with Corbin and Ilya Dragunov. Like I said, I'm happy Corbin is back in NXT. This is going to revamp him. This is going to revitalize him. He's currently on a Twitter beef with the Chef Reactions guy. If you've never seen the Chef Reactions guy, he's one of the funniest... Uh, creators on TikTok, Instagram, social media, whatever. Uh, he always reacts to like those crazy cooking videos, and he's he started this like beef with Corbin. Him and Corbin have been going back and back and forth on Twitter, and I get an absolute kick out of it. I think it's hysterical. Um, this was a great match. Baron Corbin gets the win because Braun Breaker appeared and distracted Dragonoff. Corbin hits an end of days and wins. Corbin versus Carmelo Hayes is going to take place at NXT Gold Rush here in a couple weeks. Awesome match. Love it. Now, the final segment of the NXT is going to be Ron Breaker last week made a challenge to Seth Rollins for his World Heavyweight Championship for a match. The first NXT champion versus the most dominant NXT champion. Seth Rollins has appeared via promo, via video, and has accepted that challenge. Seth freaking Rollins will defend his World Heavyweight Championship on NXT, on NXT Gold Rush, this is going to be awesome. So like I said, if you are sleeping on NXT, if you are sleeping on our chef, the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, who as of today is celebrating his 35th year, uh, you can go check out his merch. Uh, they just released it here. I will put a link uh, in the description here of my special link. So you can use my link, help out this podcast grow, and help us keep producing this show and improving the quality as we go. So with that being said, NXT, great show. Stop sleeping on it. Our man Shawn Michaels is cooking. He's chefing it up. And I am pumped for NXT Gold Rush to start next week and continue the following week with Seth versus Braun Breaker for that World Heavyweight Championship. We'll be right back with Friday Night SmackDown. All right, everybody, welcome back into the final segment of the past week in WWE with Friday Night SmackDown. And guys, holy shit, SmackDown was good. Really, really freaking good. From start to finish, I was thoroughly sports entertained, thoroughly invested. Eyes did not peek off the television at all, even sat through the awful commercials. Usually I go on the phone, I tweet, I try to you know, be active on the socials while uh, the shows are going on with you guys to, to see live thoughts and 
see what you know we're going to talk about on the show, of course. We start off with the number one contenders gauntlet match for KO and Sammy's undisputed tag team titles. KO and Sammy are on SmackDown. They're backstage watching out the action. The Brawling Brutes and the Street Profits start this match. The Brawling Brutes eliminate the Street Profits first. Shocker to me. I was left speechless when that happened. So, not sure what they're going to be doing with the Street Profits here. Maybe we're going to get that Montez Ford singles run, heel turn. Street Profits are going heel with Bianca. I don't know, but shocker to see the Street Profits get eliminated first in the gauntlet match. They would have probably been a last two, maybe even a winner of this match in my opinion. But the Brawling Brutes, Sheamus and Rich Holland beat the Street Profits. Next up in the gauntlet match, the only club that matters, the Big LG, Doc Gallows, Luke Gallows, and the Machine Gun, Carl Anderson. They too are eliminated by the Brawling Brutes. Next up in this match is the Latino World Order, Viva La Raza, the LWO, Joaquin Wilde, and Cruz del Toro. Guess what, folks? They're eliminated by the Brawling Brutes. The Brawling Brutes have started this match. They are running the gauntlet, so to speak. Now, last week when the match was announced, we did not see Hit Row was announced to be in the match. I think there might have been somebody who tweeted it out and ended up getting Hit Row added into this match. Hit Row is next in the match. And Hit Row is eliminated within five seconds of being in the match. Bro kick, one, two, three. In the words of Michael Cole, Flop, Dalla, and Hit Row had been eliminated. I love this beef with Michael Cole and Top Dalla after the whole suicide dive thing from a couple months ago with uh, Top Dalla. It's hysterical, guys. The Brawling Brutes beat Hit Row. The Brawling Brutes are my favorite to win this match at this point. Next up, Pretty Deadly. Yes, boy! And there you have it, folks. Pretty Deadly get the win and are your new number one contenders for the Undisputed Tag Team Championship. Wow, that was a turn of events I did not see happening. A scrappy heel finish. And Pretty Deadly, yes boy, are your, uh, are your number one contenders. And I'm a big fan of this, guys. Um, I love Pretty Deadly. I love Pretty Deadly in NXT UK. I love them in NXT. They are so fun. They, they, these guys are having fun with it. They're actually in the ring after for about five minutes. Um... And then KO and Sammy call call them out about it, and, they're, and they cut a little promo. A lot of people on Twitter did not like the promo cut by Pretty Deadly. I liked it. I thought it was funny. Um, it added to their personalities. It added to their character. Uh, I'm, sky's the limit for these guys. All of the NXT call-ups really have been hitting and, and hitting their strides for the most part. There's a couple that have kind of fallen off, like Apollo Crews. We haven't seen him in a couple weeks. Um, JD McDonough, we finally saw him this week. You know, uh Alba Fire and Isla Dawn, they feel like a big deal. So a lot of the call-ups, Zoe Stark, they all feel like big deals. Some of them don't. Most of them do. There's only so much you can do, right? During that match, though, with the Brawling Brutes, I just want to take notice. Um, Sheamus hit the 10 beats of the Bodron 32 times. I counted it. I counted it live, guys. It was 32. Michael Cole said 30. I counted two more. There was 32 beads of the Bodron insane cardio from Sheamus, man. I got to start doing these Celtic workouts that he does because this dude's cardio is insane. He goes and goes. He's the Energizer Bunny right now, WWE, in my opinion. Sheamus is so underrated, man. And I hope when he does retire, you know, inevitably, hopefully not anytime soon, because that would be sad. 
I hope he gets the flowers that he so rightfully deserves. So awesome match here. Awesome, funny segment between KO and Sammy and Pretty Deadly hyping up the match. Unfortunately, this match will not be on Money in the Bank, which pains me to say. This match is going to take place two weeks uh, from Friday, next Friday, in the O2 Arena in London, ahead of Money in the Bank on the Friday Night SmackDown beforehand. So a little bit upset about it, but what can you do? Next up, after this, we get Money in the Bank qualified superstars, Zelina Vega and Io Sky in a singles match. Nice little match. Bailey's on the outside. Bailey screws up. Miscommunication with Io. Zelina Vega beats Io Sky, and there's beef now between the two. Now, later on in the show, we will see a backstage segment with Shotzi confronting Bailey and Io basically putting Bailey's Money in the Bank spot on the line in a match against Shotzi. Now, I thought that was going to happen on SmackDown tonight. I believe it is going to happen next week on SmackDown. So we have that to look forward to. Next up, we have Charlotte Flair, the queen, woo, on the Grayson Waller effect with Grayson Waller. And I'm a big fan of Grayson Waller's. Him, um, Carmelo Hayes, Braun Breaker, those are the future of this industry, in my opinion. And they're going to be the future main eventers on Raw, on SmackDown, in the very near future. So... Big fan of Grayson Waller's presentation up to this point. He's been doing the interviews for the ladies the last couple weeks, and that's a great way to just get him on TV. If you're not going to have him booked in a match, do the Grayson Waller effect and continue the storylines for the women. And we see that here was Bianca, who's a little bit edgier than we've seen. We haven't seen this kind of edge in Bianca maybe since her NXT days when she was the, the EST was formed and it was she was a heel. Bianca basically says, listen, I don't give a damn who you are. I don't care. You won the title 14 times. The past is the past. I'm the longest reigning women's champion of the modern era. And my resume and my accomplishments speak for themselves. They go back and forth. Basically, Bianca's not happy that Charlotte jumped the line, and rightfully so. She didn't get a rematch, but Charlotte also brings up the valid point that she didn't get a rematch against Rhea when she lost. Bianca plays on that and says, well, you went away for three months. You quit. Charlotte says, I didn't quit. There's a difference between quitting and... And I always bounce back after those. Every time I've beat the best and I've lost to the best, I've always bounced back 14 times. So this is just going to continue this story. I have no doubt in my mind, Charlotte, Bianca, probably going to take place at SummerSlam. Whether it has a title or not is going to be dependent upon the match against Asuka with Charlotte in a couple weeks on SmackDown. I hope Asuka didn't become champion just to give it to Charlotte because that's just going to be a disrespect to Asuka. And Asuka is a great women's competitor. So I want to see how this plays out. I want to see the triple threat at SummerSlam between the three ladies. And then I want to see inevitably Charlotte and Bianca face-to-face, one-on-one, singles competition, and hopefully maybe culminating at WrestleMania 40. Fingers crossed. Next up, we get mixed tag action with the OC, AJ Styles and Mishin. AJ Styles and Mishin came out. They had a really cool entrance. AJ and Mishin did like, the, the AJ Styles hood thing. She rocked the hood. She did her hand signal. It was really fun. They did a great job. Their duo, uh, their tag entrance is really fun. Uh, I like it. I like Mishin. I've always, I've always been a big fan of her. I got to see her way back in the day uh, when she was in Impact. Uh, back in like 2016, I got to see her in Impact, see her live. I was a big fan of her. She was really talented then, and she's gotten only better on on the mic, in the ring. So I, the sky's the limit for me, Mia Yim, Mishin. Um, this was a great intergender tag match with AJ and Mishin taking on Karrion Cross and Scarlett. This would be Scarlett's second uh, match 
I believe uh, the last one these two had together was Cross and Scarlet taking on Madcap Moss and Emma um, back in January. So this is formally their second match together, Cross and Scarlet. Now this was a good match. A lot of people like to say, oh, like, you know, Cross has been dry and things like that. Listen, I, I don't believe that, guys. You're just not seeing what I see. Karrion Cross is not your super octane, high octane, fly around the ring guy. He's slow, he's methodical, he's gonna wear you out, he's gonna brutalize you, he's gonna lock you in submissions, he's gonna hit you with crazy moves, he's going to wear you down and you are going to submit to him or we will see him debut a new finishing move tonight. What I can only to be described as kind of a modified F5 face buster. It's, it's more of like a... Maybe it's not necessarily an F10, um, but it's definitely a modified F5. It's a really cool move. I like it. I think this, going forward, could be a really cool finisher for Cross. I'm a big fan of Cross. He always shows love to us here at Modeling Off with Mike. He's liked a couple of the tweets whenever I tag him and stuff. So, love you, Karrion. You're the man. Thanks for always being a homie to the show. If you ever listen to the show, shout out to you, man. Can't wait to see you hold gold, specifically that U.S. title. We do get a great match here. AJ Styles does hit a Styles Clash, but Scarlett ends up distracting AJ, kind of flirting with him, and we get the funniest line from AJ in a long time. He takes off his glove, shows her the ring, and says, I'm married, bitch, to Scarlett. Thus, in turn, leading up to Cross hitting AJ with the Cross Jacket, the Doomsday, and then this new move, which I don't know what we're going to call it. I hope we get a name for it in the coming weeks. If I had to throw my name in the hat, uh, definitely something with Doom, Doomsday, the Armageddon, uh, the Armageddon uh, Splash. Uh, the Armageddon Splash would be more for like a high-flying move. Something uh, Armageddon, uh, Doomsday, the Doom Slayer, the Doom Bringer, the Doom Seeker. I don't know. I'm spitballing here. I'm, I'm rambling now. Great match here. Cross and Scarlet get the win rightfully so. AJ and Cross's little feud here, tied a piece 1-1. Most likely going to see a stipulation headed towards maybe SummerSlam, maybe Money in the Bank. We'll see how that story progresses. Next up, we've also got Money in the Bank, current members, LA Knight, yeah, yeah, versus LWO's Santos Escobar. Rey Mysterio comes out, cuts a nice little promo, you know, gives his blessing, hypes up Santos Escobar. Santos Escobar does beat LA Knight, but LA Knight is not a guy who Really, a loss hurts him. Crowd is, he's so over with the crowd, guys. Like, every week, it's, it's, it gets louder and louder and louder. Like, LA Knight is drawing insane levels of crowd reaction. So, it would only make sense to put money in the bank on him and strap the rocket to him, and the sky's the limit for him. Will they do that? I don't know. I'm starting to doubt that. I'm starting to feel there's a possibility of a Santos Escobar money in the bank win. Possible Damian Priest. Possible Shinsuke Nakamura. I don't know. This is the first time in a long time where all members of the Money in the Bank ladder match have never held a World Heavyweight Championship in WWE. Some of them have held gold in NXT. Some of them have held mid-card titles. Some of them have never held a title before on the WWE main roster. This is awesome, guys. To have a ladder match for the Money in the Bank briefcase to guarantee a new Money in the Bank briefcase winner and to also guarantee that if they do cash in on a world champion, I know we saw the theory U.S. title cash in, I hope that doesn't happen, but if they were to cash in on the world champion of their choosing, either Seth or Roman in this matter, that it's going to be a first-time champion if it is a successful cash in. That's massive. That is massive, guys. 
So I'm really excited. From the likes of it, we've got LA Knight, Santos Escobar, Ricochet, Shinsuke Nakamura, Damian Priest, and Butch, guys. So you got Santos Escobar, Butch, Damian Priest, LA Knight, Ricochet, and Shinsuke Nakamura in the Money in the Bank ladder match. And that's going to be a good one, guys. It's going to be good, and we're going to get busy. That's going to be a good ladder match. Going to get into the main event segment of SmackDown. Will Jay Uso fall in line and rejoin the bloodline as the right-hand man to the tribal chief. Hold that thought. There is so much to cover with this uh, main event. The bloodline, guys. The longest reigning story that we've had in WWE for quite some time, dating back to three years, dating back to the pandemic, dating back to the earliest inception of Roman becoming who he is now. So after... Everything that's been done. The Usos have been treated like afterthoughts. They've been treated, they've been manipulated. You know, Jimmy super kicking Roman at Night of uh, Champions in, in Saudi Arabia uh, to the point now where Jay has to make his decision, guys. Will Jay rejoin the bloodline? Will Jay fall in line? Is Paul Heyman getting kicked out of the bloodline? Because Jay said, if he's in, you're out, Paul. What's going to happen, guys? And, oh my God, this is fucking cinema. This is cinema. Cinema. I, I tried to limit it. One F-bomb a show. Now, that's the new rule going forward. Um, this was cinema, guys. Wow. Freaking wow. From Jay coming out, not knowing what to say, him being frustrated, him being torn, to Jimmy coming out, to, to adding fuel to the fire, to Roman telling... Jay, that I never doubted you for a second. You know, your brother was the one who didn't, was the one who tried to pull you away from me. And just from, from Jay saying, oh, well, Mr. Prom King, Mr. Prom Prince, you know, Mr. Most Likely to Succeed. I've always been playing second fiddle to you. Mr. Older Brother, got to listen to my older brother, follow after my older brother. You know, I'm tired of all that. And we get the plot twist, guys. I, I, I'm not able to fully convey this on the podcast. I recommend a thousand percent go back, rewatch it. If you can't sit through SmackDown for whatever reason, go watch this segment. Go watch the recap on WWE.com. Watch it on social media. Watch it on my Twitter. I've reposted it a couple times now because I can't get it out of my head. It's so fresh, and I'm going to be watching it tomorrow, Sunday, Monday, all the way up to next Friday when they show us the recap of what happened last week, this week, on SmackDown, next week. So I can't talk about this enough. This has been one of my favorite things ongoing. Like, there was a point where it got a little stale for me, I'll admit it. Um, kind of with the whole Sami Zayn and KO thing, you know, that had kind of that had kind of hit its course, and, and, you know, it was time to move on from them, you know, with the tag titles, let KO and Sami do their thing, and they're crushing it, right? We talked about it this whole show multiple times, you know, with Raw, with SmackDown. You know, they're, they're setting the tag division up really nicely. Now, what we're setting up here is, is what I think should be a nomination for an Emmy. Like, if, the, if there's a way to nominate WWE, to nominate a segment, to nominate a storyline for an Emmy, then I think the Bloodline story should be nominated for a daytime Emmy, guys. Like, I, I just think so. Like, that's, in my, that's a personal opinion. This, was so, this is so damn good. This has been so damn good for months, for years, from Jay being subjected to Hell in a Cell with Roman 
you know, with Jimmy making the save and begging Roman, please, please don't do it. You know, that's family to, to where we're at now, to them being the longest reigning uh, undisputed ch- tag team champions, to Roman's historic thousand day, uh, 20 day title reign and counting to this moment right now where Jay, guys, I was sucked in. I made an audible, oh my God, holy shit, it happened, it happened. Oh my God, he did it. Guys, Jay Uso hit us with the biggest swerve during this segment. Jay Uso tells Jimmy, well, you know what, bro? If that's what it is, that's what it's going to be, then you're out of the bloodline. And then we get a pause, and Roman's smiling, and then Jay says, you're out of the bloodline, and so am I, and super kicks Roman. Oh my God, guys. This was insane. This was an insane moment. I literally let out an audible... Like, it, like a noise that I can't even begin to explain to you on this podcast. Like, I, I don't think I could recreate it if I could. The shock and the awe, like, I wish I was recording it so you guys could have seen my general reaction. I was invested. I marked out. My, my, my disbelief was suspended. I felt, like, I felt like a kid again watching, you know, 2010 SmackDown. Like, that's what it felt like. That's what this storyline has felt like to me. Like, it is really, really, like, coming back to like the good old days of like pro wrestling where you had like really good stories and really crazy twists and turns. I love this. I love this chapter in the story. Jay super kicks Roman solo goes to hit the spike on Jay. Jimmy super kicks solo. Roman gets up and is about to rip these guys heads off. Jimmy and Jay hit the double super kick. Roman sells it like death as, as what everyone on social media has been saying. And he does, he sells it beautifully, gets the kick and just boom, hits the deck. He's out, he's knocked out. We get the amazing visual at the end of SmackDown of Roman laying there, title to his side. Paul Heyman, hands around his face, just like, like Macaulay Calkin from Home Alone, just, oh my God, I can't believe it, it's, it's happened. And the call by Michael Cole, Roman Reigns' empire is crumbling. The bloodline is over. What happens next? Like, the crowd reaction, the call by Michael Cole, the, the, the way Roman sold it, the way Jay swerved us out and twisted us all out in a back around, the, the, the tepidation in his voice, the, the hesitation, the, the calling out of his brother at first, and, and just you thinking, oh my God, is Jay going to kick his own brother? And then Jay kicking Roman... They got me, guys. Like, I just, I, I could not, I, I, I can't stop thinking about it. I think I've watched the, the segment back now. SmackDown ended um, West Coast time, Pacific Standard time. You know, ended at 7 o'clock. It starts at 5 hour time, you know, 3 hour time difference for the East Coast. So, you know, I'm watching SmackDown from 5 to 7 typically. Um, and sometimes if I can't catch it, you know, I'll watch it on the West Coast time stream, you know, from the, from the, uh, I believe West Coast, they do it from like seven to nine. Sometimes they'll, they'll run it in the eight to eight to 10 spot, like the East Coast. But for the most part, I'm watching the East Coast feed. Uh, and I'm so happy I do because if I had to watch the West Coast feed and I didn't get to see this live and I saw it spoiled for me on Twitter, like most of you might have, um, I would have been pissed because this was freaking awesome. Now I want to make a couple notes here. Um, Roman Dud does and I guess is going to continue to carry the WWE title and the Universal Championship. Roman holds the Undisputed title. I thought when we announced the titles that those two merged into one, and that's why Roman was awarded this title. 
but it seems for presentation purposes that Paul Heyman will be carrying around those two other titles, and Roman will be three belts Roman for the time being. So just really awesome stuff, guys. Once again, WWE firing in all cylinders, momentum picking up for Money in the Bank. We're starting to really get a clear picture of who's going to be feuding with who for the next couple months. We're already starting to kind of head towards that SummerSlam build. I see the writing on the wall for some of this. I see the potential of the Jay and the Jimmy, the Usos versus Roman and Solo tag team match happening at either Money in the Bank, most likely. But I also could see them holding that out till SummerSlam. But then again, that also stretches out. Roman hasn't defended that title since his successful defense against Cody at WrestleMania. So when's Roman's next title defense going to be? And who's that going to be against? That's what I'd like to know too. So guys, highly recommend going and watching the Bloodline segment. This, this is insane. It's cinema, whatever, whatever you want to call it. It is just great wrestling. It is great sports entertainment. I have been thoroughly entertained with this, uh, with this Bloodline story, with this segment tonight, especially on SmackDown. So guys... Holy crap. A lot of wrestling to cover, and we're just now getting through the WWE section of the show. So I know we got a lot of wrestling to cover still, so we are finished with WWE, and guys, there was a lot to cover this week. There's going to be a lot to cover next week, of course, as well. And then following suit, we've got Money in the Bank in two weeks from Saturday, and we've got a nice mid-afternoon pay-per-view, which I'm very excited about. Going to start at 3 o'clock Eastern, 12 Pacific, which I'm pumped for on the West Coast. I love an early morning, mid-afternoon uh, premium live event from WWE. It's always good vibes for the rest of the day. So there you guys have it. There's WWE, Raw, NXT, SmackDown from this week. The Bloodline segment, mind-blowing stuff. I can't talk about it enough. But we are going to transition into AEW. Now the off with Mike. Now the off with Mike. All right, everybody. Welcome back into the show you just heard everything that's taken place in the last week uh, of WWE, and now we're going to talk about everything that's happened in this last week when it comes to AEW All Elite Wrestling. So, we're going to start with Dynamite, we're going to head into Rampage, and then we're going to talk about the biggest news of the week, the debut episode of AEW Collision on Saturday nights. So, let's get right into it. So, AEW Dynamite. Another really solid Dynamite. Uh, I liked it. I thought it was a fun episode of Dynamite. There were some great matches, and I think the match of the night and a potential match of the year for TV's sake, um, obviously not getting into the the pay-per-view matches, the premium live event matches that we've seen up to this point in 2023, but for a TV match, uh, a 30-minute time limit draw between AEW World Champion MJF versus Adam Cole Bebe uh, in a world championship title eliminator match. Now, of course, if Adam Cole won this match, we would have seen Adam Cole challenging MJF for his world title. Um, now, this here was a fantastic match, guys. Um, if you didn't catch Dynamite, if you haven't seen this match, if you're a little behind, um, I recommend definitely checking this match out from Dynamite. And there's a couple other matches here on Dynamite that I do recommend as well checking out. So at the end of the show, there's probably going to be four or five match recommendations uh, for the Mouthing Off with Mike Mouth Off segment uh, when we finish the show. So just be prepared. We're gonna, we are gonna got some homework here from your host. Um, starting off with this match, listen, it, it was a slow burn, this match. Like, 
I had a feeling really towards the end of it where I had kind of looked at the clock and said, you know, it's 525, you know, local uh, Pacific Standard Time. And I said, hmm, this one might go a draw here. Uh, you know, it's we've only seen a few draws in AEW's history. Uh, when they do the draw match right, it works very well. And this one worked very well for MJF's sake um, because Adam Cole had him pinned and ready to uh, win this match, Adam Cole, but MJF lucked out by the skin of his teeth with the time limit draw. Now, we saw a lot of action in this match. Um, we saw a lot of reversals. We saw a lot of flying around. We see a lot of blood. Uh, we get Cole rocking MJF with a super kick. MJF gets a little blood in the mouth. We see MJF uh, emulate Shawn Michaels a little bit. You know, the biggest thing that I didn't notice, somebody actually pointed it out on Twitter. I wish I could give credit where credit is due. Unfortunately, it was Wednesday. We are on now Saturday night while I record the AEW segment now. Um, so I could not remember at this very moment. But whoever pointed it out, awesome eye here for details by MJF. Uh, MJF had the elbow pad that said Vince was right, a little play on the promo from last week's Dynamite where uh, MJF had referenced WWE, NXT, uh, the promo between Adam Cole and Karrion Cross from NXT days. So there was just a lot of plays on what we saw last week in the promo, what we're seeing with MJF teasing this, the great bidding war of 2024 with his contract coming up and him referencing Vince and WWE and Triple H and Shawn Michaels uh, and telling Tony he's going to pay, pay up or else I'm out, you know. So we're seeing this all play out. And it's, it's adding to these stories here with MJF, like the hints and the teases of, oh, you know, I'm leaving or, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna do a move by Shawn Michaels or I'm going to do Shawn Michaels pose or I'm going to wear, you know, Vince was right on my elbow pads. You know, he's just a, just a massively fantastic heel and people hate him to hate him and people love to hate him. Uh, and I think he's one of the best young heels in professional wrestling as a whole. I think he's thriving well in AEW because he has the freedom with his promos and he can say just about any damn thing he wants. Will that translate if he were to make the move to WWE? Maybe. Depends on you know what they let him say. I'd like to start seeing more promos with MJF not really um, getting into the things that you, not, you can't really say on WWE TV. So I'd like to see that little trial run. Kind of what we saw with Cody towards the end of his run with AEW. It was kind of like a tryout to show the WWE higher-ups that, you know, hey, he can still run that WWE-style match. Anyway, you know, I'm getting off-topic here with this match, but this match was really, really freaking good. I can't express enough how good this match was for Adam Cole's kind of journey through NXT. Now, I'll be 100% honest. I, I'm not a big fan of the, the rivalry that just ended with, uh, himself and Chris Jericho. I'm a big Chris Jericho guy, uh, and I'm not dismissing what he's done in the industry. I just, the rivalry fell flat for me towards the end, and that's when a rivalry is supposed to, you know, hit its climax, right? You're supposed to see that progression into what this new person is after the rivalry, right? Like, how does Adam Cole respond from the adversity he had faced with Chris Jericho? He, he wins the rivalry, now bouncing him right into the world championship picture with MJF 
And this match really helped Adam Cole more than the, the Jericho feud did, I feel, in my opinion. I know a lot of people share that belief, and there's some that say, no, that's not the case. Anytime you're in the ring with a guy like Chris Jericho, who's been in, in the industry for decades upon decades, hold, held multiple championships across multiple different companies, what more could you ask for, right? That's a big rub, and especially getting the wins in that rivalries. But with this match with MJF, we got to see that old Adam Cole that we came to know and love from his Ring of Honor days, from his NXT days, you know, and now we're seeing that again where he's firing on all cylinders in the ring. So I'm happy this has really reinvigorated Adam Cole to me, at least in this run in AEW. And I can't wait to see what comes next between these two, whether it's a war of words or some, you know, physical, you know, altercations here coming up on Dynamite and, you know, possibly even Collision because these superstars, excuse me, these wrestlers, I always do it, but these wrestlers here, uh, the two at least I'm talking about, MJF and Adam Cole, I don't think they have any beef with CM Punk, so I could see them showing up on a Collision to confront him. We'll see where this plays out. I like what we're seeing. At the end of the match, MJF does the MJF thing. The time limit is hit. Adam Cole had it. He, he was one second away. He needed one more second. You know, that stalling towards the beginning of the match, like I said earlier, slow build, slow burn with this match, that was the detriment for Adam Cole. MJF wasted enough of time for Adam Cole to not be able to hit, hit that next gear and get that finisher and get the pinfall victory. So Adam Cole grabs the mic and asks for five more minutes from MJF. MJF not having it, slides out of the ring, takes his championship with him, and that's it. You know, MJF, he's going to do what MJF wants to do, no matter what or who is telling him what to do. So great opening segment to, to Dynamite this week. Really, really good stuff from Adam Cole and MJF, of course. Uh, after this, we do get that CM Punk hype package, hyping up his return, his re-debut, his second coming, or his third coming at this point. Um, good little promo package here. Punk saying he's got some stuff to get off his chest, and he does get that stuff off his chest. We're going to get to it here in, in just two segments here. Um, wow, he, he had a scorcher of a promo on Collision. Next up after this, we do get this interaction with Sammy Guevara uh, and Renee Paquette interview here then turns into uh, Darby coming out interview then in turn comes out to Chris Jericho coming out interview in turn turns into Sting coming out and this is what we're kind of setting up here is Sammy was under the tutelage of Jericho and the Jericho Appreciation Society Sammy's been with Jericho from day one um, from the very first group Jericho formed till now with the JAS but it's funny because it seems that Jericho just does not care about Sammy anymore. At least that's what Sammy feels. We're, we're teasing this Sammy Guevara turning back into a, uh, a face and, and straying away from being a heel. I'm not quite sure how this is going to pan out. Yes, uh, Tay and him are having a beautiful baby girl. They're expecting... Um, you know, in the near future. So I could see that, you know, him being a father now and them leaning into this and him being a good guy again. We're going to inevitably see some sort of feud with now Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. So like I just said about Adam Cole and Chris Jericho's feud where I just didn't hit for me at least um, up to this point, 
Now Jericho is going to go into a feud with another young and up-and-comer with Sammy Guevara. And I hope this rivalry helps Sammy the same similar way it helped Adam Cole, where he gets the rub, he gets the victory over his former mentor, you know, the, the prestige that Jericho brings. But also I hope it doesn't do what it did to Adam Cole, where it kind of strained his momentum a little bit from where when he re, you know debuted till now so obviously this is a different scenario sammy's kind of always been you know one of the wrestlers on AEW that can get a good reaction out of a crowd heel face etc so we'll see where this goes we do get a little bit of a face-off here with chris jericho and sting holding the bats to each other's throats and um it was so it's very funny because Chris Jericho had said he had zero interest in wrestling Sting in some sort of interview or on social media or something or other. And then immediately now here we are now getting some sort of feud with Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Sting, and Darby Allen. But we don't I, – I, this, this host here doesn't believe that Sammy and Chris are going to last long as a team and as a mentorship program, I guess. Uh, I do see Sammy – straying away from him and then sammy and jericho having this this blow off feud rivalry whatever it ends up being um a lot of war words happen really good stuff with sammy and jericho back and back and forth you know jericho basically is upset that sammy never reached out to him you know you sh- if you reached out to me you'd be world champion and it's funny because you if you called me you wouldn't have lost to adam cole twice sammy says the jericho um it's just it's just good stuff here, guys. It is what it is when it comes to some of the stuff that we see with Jericho. But really good stuff here where I think we could have a nice rivalry with Jericho and Sammy in the near future. Um, after this, Sonata issues an open challenge for Forbidden Door for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. This is answered by Jungle Boy Jack Perry later on in the show. So I'm going to go a little out of order here um, because it kind of relates here, of course. So Jungle Boy accepts the open challenge for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. And I don't know how I feel about this one, guys. The long pause should indicate that I'm kind of out on it, but I'm not really out on it because with most wrestling nowadays you have to give everything a one chance you know one watch through don't don't knock it before you try it right i just don't know how i feel about jungle boy being in this position with sonata sonata's a really becoming a big name you know in new japan so jungle boy is also a, a nice household name for AEW, but it's tough for me to compare this because it is really one of the similar scenarios where it's apples to oranges here where personally this could have went to a different wrestler on the roster, and I think Jungle Boy could have done a little bit something a little bit different. Maybe we could have got Jungle Boy and Hook in a tag match for Forbidden Door against you know a New Japan um, you know faction or something along those lines. I, I would have liked to see a little bit of a different creative direction for Sonata. I think there are some really good names on the AEW roster that you could have him mix it up with and kind of get you know him over, get them over. A nice opportunity here and there. I would have liked to maybe spoke maybe a little bit of a Keith Lee thing. Maybe well, Orange Cassidy would have been someone I would have put in that conversation. We are going to see Orange Cassidy does have a potential opponent for Forbidden Door, and we'll talk about that here in a couple minutes. But 
we'll see how it goes. I'm going to give it an opportunity. Jungle Boy's a great in-ring talent. It's just, I don't, I, I don't, he doesn't give me a reason to care. His promos are blah, and it's just one of those things where it just depends because he's, go, he's gone out there before and he's impressed me and he's done great things. And then it's, and it's sometimes where they let him go a little bit too far past like what, what, where he's at right now in his progression and then he falls flat a little bit or you put him in with a, you know, a big dog like MJF in that, in that fatal four-way rivalry we saw at Double or Nothing where Jungle Boy kind of was like the afterthought. We were kind of all focused on, you know, Sammy, Darby, and mainly MJF. You know, how's MJF going to find a way out of this one, right? I digress. We'll see how it goes. Not going to knock it until it happens. It's probably going to be a great match in-ring-wise. We'll see how the build works up for it. After this, we get great eight-man tag action. As I said, Sting, Darby, Orange Cassidy, and Keith Lee taking on the Mogul Embassy, Swerve Strickland, Brian Cage, and the Gates of Agony, Toa Leona and Khan. Sting is insane because the guy is getting up there in age and he's still going out there having matches on free television for the love of the game. So much, much props and respect to Sting, but I don't know, man. I think the retirement needs to come very soon. You know, be Darby's manager, get a bump in here or there, but. The actual in-ring stuff, I think we need to pump the brakes on because it, it looked like a couple spots here were a little awkward, a little bit funky when it comes to some of the in-ring stuff with um, some reversals and some hot tags. But good eight-man tag match. Now, we do get the win. Sting gets Brian Cage with the Scorpion Death Drop and wins the match for his team. I like Brian Cage, guys. I've always liked Brian Cage. Uh, I had first kind of come into Brian Cage, if I can remember correctly, it was Lucha Underground for me. Now, I always have known of his name and things, and I know that there was some stuff a while ago with AEW where they weren't really using him. You need to use this guy. He's really good. I love that he did the old-school Sting um, face paint. He rocked some, like, Sting-inspired gear. You know, playing those mind games as a, as a heel, and... You could tell he was pumped to be in the ring with with Sting. You know, we're all fans, right, at our core. You know, uh, a guy like Sting, somebody with Brian Cage would, you know, watch and, and I'm sure, you know, help inspire him to want to become a professional wrestler. So just a really cool moment for those guys involved. Sting gets the win. Um, you're really interesting stuff here. Now, Daniel Garcia was watching the match on the monitor backstage, and we got new meme material from him. So I love that. I'll have to repost that here on the socials. Um, just awesome stuff guys like i said dynamite was really good this week so was collision and rampage was rampage you know um after this guys we do get a guns uh interview with renee the guns the ass boys they're challenging the hardies we know how this one's gonna go moving on wardlow taking on jake hager Jake Hager ambushes Wardlow before the match even starts, so I like this. This was a smart decision. Wardlow, we knew, well, I shouldn't say we knew. There was a feeling, I had a feeling that Wardlow would win this match and retain his title. He did. It was a nice little match. Uh, Jake Hager looked good. I wish they would let Jake Hager wrestle a little bit more. He's a good wrestler, guys. Like, he was always good. Like, he was good with Jack Swagger back in WWE days. He's a good wrestler. Um, Christian Cage and Luchasaurus appear after the match. They challenge Wardlow to a match at Collision for the TNT Championship. We're going to talk about it briefly, but 
we do see bloody Arn Anderson backstage. So I digress. Christian Cage, one of the best heels right now in AEW. I love it. Uh, now after this, we get a really big, big call out here from the New Japan Pro Wrestling Spear. The master of the century, Hiroshi Tanahashi, has called out MJF for a match at Forbidden Door for the AEW World Championship. I like where this is headed. Now, last year at Forbidden Door, Tanahashi versus John Moxley for, at that time, you know, the interim uh, AEW World Championship. Moxley won that match. We're going back, if this match happens, because MJF does see it while he's receiving medical uh, treatment after his match with Adam Cole earlier in the night, and he's like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I don't feel like giving a world title shot to some rando from a rinky-dink indie fed in Japan. And as far as Tony Khan booking me for a matchup, it wouldn't be the first time I no-showed something somebody booked me for. Tanahashi, sorry, no can do, bud. That, those are his words. That's the transcript from what MJF said to Tanahashi in reply to that challenge. They booked the match. They've announced it. There's a match card, picture, a graphic, and everything. Will it happen? I guess time will tell. Orange Cassidy has an interview with Renee tonight. Who pops up? Zack Sabre Jr. Who also pops up? Daniel Garcia. We get him. We're gonna end up seeing Daniel Garcia and Zack Sabre Jr. taking on Shibata and Orange Cassidy next week on Dynamite and Tag Team Action. And I have no doubt in my mind we're going to see Daniel Garcia versus Shibata and Orange Cassidy versus Zack Sabre Jr. Like I said, I would have loved to seen Orange in a champion versus champion match against Sonata but I will damn well take Orange in a champion versus champion match with Zack Sabre Jr. at Forbidden Door. Same thing with DG versus Shibata. I like both of these matches, and I like where this is headed for Forbidden Door pay-per-view. Uh, after this, we've got the one of another really good match on the match card, guys. Like, AEW is very good this week on Wednesday. Um, we get Tony Storm defending her Women's World Championship against Sky Blue. This was a really good match. You know, you could tell uh, Sky was pumped to have this opportunity for the title. Her mom was in town to see her uh, fight for the title, so that was really awesome. You know, there's always going to be shenanigans. Sky Blue got in some really great offense and showcased, like, why she should be, you know, a prominent feature of the AEW women's division. I I'm happy that she's really improving in the ring. She's improving on the mic, and she's really getting over with the fans. So I, I think the sky's the limit for sky blue, pun intended. Um, so really great match here. Tony does get the win. There's a lot of chaos if that happens. They Tony and uh, Ruby, they are not joined with Soraya this week, so not sure if Soraya's hurt or what's going on with Soraya. Hopefully she's okay, but I guess she might be. She's taking some time off. Um, Tony and Ruby antagonize sky blue's mom outside. They spray her with the, the green spray paint. They try to spray sky blue with it she gets it out of the way she ends up spraying tony with her own blue paint which was a nice little touch i thought sky blue almost was gonna win it here for a sec but they got me so i will much respect here uh tony Khan, you got me with the booking of this match i thought sky blue was gonna shock beat tony storm and really solidify her career here so good work on that here we go guys uh main event of AEW dynamite this week we're getting the blackpool combat club john moxley the Ring of Honor World Champion Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Yuta versus the Hung Bucks, Adam Page, and the Young Bucks. Mox and Page, they go right at it. And everybody's brawling. Everybody's brawling here to start this match. 
This is a great trios match. We started with a really great singles match, 30-minute time limit draw, MJF Adam Cole. We finished with a fantastic trios match with the Blackpool Combat Club and the Hung Bucks. Really good stuff here. Uh, I know right now there's a lot of talk about being fans of the Elite and being fans of CM Punk, and there's this division amongst AEW fans. You know, AEW fans have their own little civil war going on, like much like poor Roman Reigns has his civil war going on in WWE. Um, I'd, I'd like to see the discourse, and if you can be a fan of everybody, guys, like you like the Elite, you like the Young Bucks, you like Adam Page, you like Kenny Omega, you like CM Punk, you like John Cena, you like Roman Reigns, what does it matter? Like your favorites. Who cares? You're a fan, you know, and you're supporting your, your favorites. So I'm tired of listening to that nonsense. The really thing I want to take note here is, is what I really want to talk about is it's a good match. After the match ends, everything goes to absolute shit. Holy crap. Eddie Kingston's music hits. He gets into the ring. He immediately goes and starts attacking Claudio. Matt Jackson starts beating up Moxley. Kingston pulls Matt Jackson away from Moxley. Moxley and Eddie have a, a really intense moment face-to-face. Takeshita sprints to the ring and hits Eddie Kingston from behind. Kenny Omega runs to the ring to face off with Takeshita. Omega hits Takeshita, gets him out of the rings. The BCC are taken out by super kicks from Paige and the Bucks. Here comes Will Ospreay, and then he destroys Kenny to end AEW Dynamite this week. So, awesome stuff. One of the coolest endings I've seen to a Dynamite show. Top three, in my opinion, of ending of AEW Dynamite this week. Great show from start to finish and everything in between. It's clicking on all cylinders. And we're hyping up Saturday night, AEW Collision. Dynamite was fire this week. I recommend checking out MJF and Adam Cole. And I recommend watching the main event just so you can see that crazy chaos of a finish. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with Rampage and Collision. Then we'll finish off with your favorite segment, the final mouth off with Mike. Stay tuned. All right, we're back for AEW Rampage from Friday night. So Rampage, another hour of wrestling, Friday nights, AEW, you know, they're hitting on all cylinders now, firing on all cylinders. You got Wednesday Night Dynamite, you got AEW Rampage on Fridays, and then you've got the debut episode of Collision following, you know, this week on Saturday. So, Rampage starts off hot. Trio's action with United Empire versus Chaos, Chuck Taylor, Rocky Romero, and Trent Beretta. This was a great match. A lot of really good wrestling, some really good chain wrestling, uh, really great match as most Trio's matches that I discuss when it comes to AEW are really good. Um, United Empire, Jeff Cobb, Kyle Fletcher, and Will Ospreay, they're solid, man. Jeff Cobb's been one of those guys that I've been watching for the last couple years really grow and grow into a, a really you know big star uh, on the uh, New Japan side. Like he's he's he could really have some potential here if, if he were to be brought over into the AEW circle. Um, for now, you know we get him sparingly we get him here and there great match to start uh rampage will osprey and the united empire do get this win here's where things are going to get interesting will osprey and kenny omega have this match at forbidden door and will osprey is firing on all cylinders dude is hitting his peak right now so 
Kenny's got an uphill battle, definitely. Uh, Jericho says it, that he's got his work cut out for him at Forbidden Door because Osprey has been on a roll, and I agree. He has been on a roll. He's been racking up dubs, and he is proving that he is one of the best in this era right now of wrestling we've got. After this match, we get a little bit of a, 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 of a rebound match for Taya Valkyrie versus Trisha Dora. Not familiar with Trisha Dora, but nice little match. Taya wins after we do finally get the response from the Hardys that we are going to see Jeff and Matt Hardy versus the Guns on Dynamite next week. We'll see how this one goes. I'm always a big Jeff Hardy, Matt Hardy fan. Big, big fan of theirs. Love the Hardy Boys. Shout out to the Hardy Boys. Um, I hope they can get some momentum here in the tag division. I'd love to see them take on FTR for the tag titles. You know, give them one last run maybe down the line. Maybe don't beat FTR, but maybe, you know, we get a transitional uh, tag team champion here and the Hardys can can win the AEW tag titles and add another tag set uh, of belts from another company. You know, they've held gold in WWE. They've held gold in Impact. They've held gold in uh, AAA, I believe. They've held gold uh, in Ring of Honor. So why not AEW, right? And I think that kind of got derailed, you know, when Jeff got, you know, kind of back into his demons you know crawled up so we'll see how this goes i'm excited the guns versus the hardys you know matt and jeff have take have fought billy gunn numerous times in their careers so it's crazy to see now that the hardys are still in the tag team division still in wrestling and now they're taking on billy gunn's sons so that's going to be a fun one after this speaking of fun ones we do get a fun mixed trios tag match listen a lot of people talked a lot of shit on this one uh, when it was announced. I kind of was scratching my head. Listen, it wasn't perfect. Like, this match was not going to be perfect. Um, but it was still fun, and it, it, and it, you know, entertained me for a couple minutes. Like, at least the 10 minutes that it was, you know, on my television for. So, we got Aubrey Edwards, Mark Briscoe, and Papa Briscoe versus Jay Lethal, Jeff Jarrett, and Karen Jarrett with, of course, Santam Singh and Sanjay Dutt. Now, listen, we saw a lot of crazy stuff going on. Listen, Aubrey Edwards, the ref, Ref Aubrey, um, we've, we've talked about it on the show in the past. Like, sometimes she can be a little extra, but she was very extra in this match, and it worked for her. So props on her for making it work. She did a couple hair drag takedowns. Uh, she ends up hitting... <laughs> hitting what's-his-name, uh, Jay Lethal, with the guitar. It was funny stuff, guys. Uh, they end up getting the uh, uh, win here. Karen Jarrett ends up tapping out to Aubrey with the uh, figure four lock, figure four leg lock, uh, just hilarious stuff. She, she used the guitar to win she, uh, ref Aubrey, so just funny, ironic shit that the ref is using a weapon to get an advantage in the match. I loved it. I thought it was funny. Well, I shouldn't say I loved it. I liked it. It was entertaining. It was fun. We saw a different side of ref Aubrey. We got to see Papa Briscoe mix it up. Mark Briscoe is always fun chaos, so just fun match for Rampage. Uh, after this backstage interview with Taya Valkyrie gets interrupted by Chris Statlander, we're going to have these two versing for the TBS Championship next week on Dynamite. That's booked and official. After this, our main event of Rampage is Takeshita versus Bandito. And Takeshita, once again, booed out the building when he comes out. Fans hate him. Fans hate Don Callis. I, I would put these two guys and Dom in that same bucket of heat right now. They are firing all cylinders on the heel side of things. Uh, great match. I recommend checking this match out as well. Um, 
So you've got a lot of matches to catch up on here on AEW, and you've got even more when I get into Collision. Don't go anywhere. All right, we are back again, and now we are discussing the very first episode of AEW Saturday Night Collision. This show, from the stage, the colors, the graphic designs, the overlays for you know the the nameplates for wrestlers entering, the commentary uh, desk being at the ringside, not on the stage like we see in Dynamite on Rampage. Um, Kevin Kelly and Nigel McGuinness calling most of the show, and then Jr. joining uh, during the main event. Uh, Everything, the crowd, you know, everything about Collision felt what AEW felt like in its infancy when it first started. It, the fun, the wrestling show that you want to watch that, you know, feels different than everything else that's out right now, you know, right? Like WWE, this was it, right? This is, I feel this is the reinvigoration that AEW needed, and I think if done properly, you can have the presentation style of Dynamite. You can have the presentation style of Rampage. And then you can have this new presentation style that you've brought on Collision. So I enjoyed Collision from top to bottom. The only thing for me that felt out of place, and I love these guys, I love this group, uh, was the Acclaims promo on the show. That was the only thing for me. Didn't really hit. Um, it was funny. It was fun. It was a good little segment. But it just felt out of place here on the, sh on the match card itself. The other thing is, is that we didn't do a massive storyline. We hinted to it, but we didn't do like a massive storyline angle for next week to get eyes on next week's episode of Collision. So those are my two gripes. I would give it a solid 8 out of 10, at least on my rating. You can go find, you know, Meltzer Boy's ratings if you want to see his ridiculous ratings or whoever's ratings. Good show, good debut episode, and a really strong start to the Saturday Night Collision show for AEW. So let's start from the beginning. The show is opened by the crowd in Chicago, Illinois, and they are hot for the second coming, the third coming, the return of Chicago-made, Chicago's own, CM Punk. Crowd CM Punk chants echoing throughout the arena to start the show. CM Punk comes out, cult of personality hits, crowd singing it. CM Punk comes out with what I could only have described, of course, not knowing what he is, has in his bag at the time. CM Punk comes out with a bag, and, I, and instantly in my head I said, CM Punk's back with his baggage. So just funny little pop there for me mentally, but we now know what's in the bag. He comes out with a, a red bag and his wrestling boots around his neck. He cuts a promo, guys, and... I'm going to read a little bit here. I'm going to give you a little bit of a transcript from what the promo has said. He goes into the thick of it. He's basically talking that in this bag that he's brought out is the AEW World Championship that he won from Jon Moxley at last year's All Out, and that since he was never pinned, I guess in his mind he's still champion, or he's saying that they're the champion now, Max, you know, is basically not the real champion because I'm still champion. Very loud crowd. Punk says a couple notable things here. He says he's tired of being nice. He was on the shelf with a ruptured triceps for the last 10 months. People love him because he's him. He's unapologetically him. He's the truth. The truth is painful. We get a 
Uh, F the elite. I can't use another F-bomb. I used my F-bomb earlier, so I cannot say the, the F the elite chant. Uh, we get an F the elite chant. People can call him whatever he wants, but David Zaslov, uh, one of the higher-up executives at Warner Brothers Discovery, calls him one Bill Phil because he is the one true article in a business full of counterfeit bucks. Guys, right away, kind of getting a, you know, like a, a sub, uh, throwing some shade here at the Young Bucks, calling them counterfeit bucks. Um, not quite sure where this is headed. If he's mentioning things like that, maybe they've patched up the issues. I don't think Punk would go out there, or maybe he is. Maybe just Punk is just like, hey, let's just, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot the shoot and see if we can turn it into a, a work, you know. Wh whatever they're trying to do here, I'm going to let it play out. But he goes then on to say he apologized. He apo he's apologizing for people who are softer than the wrestlers they like. Wow, guys. So he, he called them soft. Um, he called them counterfeit bucks, the young bucks. He basically says that he people want him to hang up the boots, put these boots that he's got around his neck in the ring and right off into the sunset and he's not he he's not he's not hanging it up guys he's not retiring until someone can fill his shoes fill his boots they belong on his feet and cm punk is not going anywhere and he feels i guess he's rightfully AEW world champion now guys uh breaking this down here uh there's a lot to be said in the promo you know from the illusion and the alluding to the counterfeit bucks comment you know could that allude to the young bucks you know the young bucks have already changed their bio on twitter basically saying like if this was 2013 we'd already have a counterfeit bucks shirt on prowrestlingtees.com so they are playing with this now too you know they're playing off punk's words does this necessarily mean that everybody's buddy buddy and you know they've agreed to do the, the business I, I have no idea anybody anybody who listens to this show you guys have any idea because i certainly don't i see the reports and the rumors from you know, all of the, the dirt sheets and the wrestling journalists, you know, on Twitter and, and Instagram and the rumor mills. And I'll believe it when I see it. I, I've i been a, a strong believer that in on this show that, you know, I give you the unbiased opinion. And, and my unbiased opinion is this. Whether you're an AEW stan or a WWE mark or WWE stan or whatever, you know, this, this culture, this sub-counter culture that is taken place over the internet wrestling community, which is ridiculous to even say, um, whether you only watch one or the other, we can all agree that if something like this happened back in the day, you know, back when wrestling, you know, where it was kind of like, hey, you, uh, you called me a name or you went into business for yourself, wouldn't that just be like, hey, guy's going to get a receipt, you know, your receipt's coming. You know, how many times have we had the stories of like guys like The Undertaker, guys like Bubba Ray, you know, giving receipts and, and taking receipts too. Like, um, Bubba Ray tweeted their day about him and RVD, how many times that they've exchanged, you know, receipts in their careers. You know, you think about like if this was like the ECW days, like, oh, I, I accidentally hit you in the head. Like, these guys were hitting each other open head chair shots, putting barbed wire through their, their ribs and on their backs and going through flaming tables and glass. Like, don't you think it would just be like, here's your receipt? You know, like, whatever it is, that's holding these guys back from talking and getting this thing to work out. I hope they can overcome it because we can all agree that it's what's best for pro wrestling. Whether you watch WWE, whether you watch AEW, it's ridiculous to pray for their downfalls. 
why is if you like wrestling why would you pray for either company's downfall or or any of these wrestlers downfalls because if they fall and there's a massive downfall like if AEW goes out of business then what happens to all the people who tuned out of WWE because they were tired of the same old same old you know the formula the WWE corporate model right what ha- what happens to those fans they're going to by choice have to by no choice go back to watching WWE and what what happens in the crazy world that WWE ever were to go out what happens you're going to watch wrestling, right? You're a wrestling fan. You're not going to just not watch wrestling. That's a part of who you are. That's what I, I, I'm passionate about pro wrestling. This is something that's gotten me out of some of my darkest times in life. And I'm not afraid to say that on this show. Uh, and it's helped me even when I was, you know, in some of the happier times. It's it's something that's consistent, something fun to watch. It's like any other television show, Breaking Bad, uh, Dexter, you know, Love Island, The Bachelor, you know, for the ladies listening, it's the same thing. It's it's entertainment. It's um, high octane. It's it's storylines. It's emotions. It's it's in getting you invested. So, why as fans would we not want these guys to come to an agreement for the best of the business and get this match? Have this match. Have the Elite versus CM Punk and FTR. Have the Elite versus CM Punk and you know a, a hobbage podge of of wrestlers if you want to do that or have cm punk form his own stable you know and and have this feud and have something that could be talked about for decades to come like what we're seeing with roman reigns and the bloodline story so that's my that's my uh my 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 pedestal that's my two cents you know that's me going off here with the show but if you're a fan of wrestling you would think and and you would say oh well i'm a fan of cm punk so f the young bucks and f the elite that's silly just Literally before this whole thing happened and all the rumors swirling about this brawl for after after the media scrum, all of the people who are saying F the Elite or F Punk supported both of these factions, wrestlers, when there was no beef, right? When there was no beef, everything was fine within the AEW fan base and, and the A and the wrestling community. Now it's like, oh, now we're picking sides. Like I just tweeted here a couple minutes ago, um, there's two civil wars going on, guys. We have the WWE civil war with the bloodline, the Usos and Roman and Solo, and then we have the civil war with the fans of the Elite and the fans of CM Punk. That's a little silly, don't you think? That's my two cents on the matter. Anyway, getting back to the show, CM Punk cuts this crazy promo. Then we get into the AEW uh, first match for AEW Collision. TNT Championship being defended by Wardlow versus Luchasaurus with Christian Cage at the ringside for Luchasaurus. Now, Good match here between the two. I would have had Wardlow versus Christian here. I like Luchasaurus. It's just something that this... I've never really gotten on board with the whole dinosaur wrestling thing. It's cool. Um, Heel Luchasaurus definitely hits better for me than face Luchasaurus did. Luchasaurus is your new TNT champion. After Christian Cage absolutely destroys a camera off the skull of Wardlow unbeknownst to the referee and Luchasaurus gets the win Christian after the match is over grabs that TNT title like he just won it with the craziest reaction gets on the top turnbuckles holding the thing up like he just won the title and you kind of catch it in the ring Luchasaurus kind of gives a side eye so I like where this is headed guys this is a really fun match um shame that Wardlow once again momentum is derailed best thing to do with Wardlow here is to what they used to do in WWE take him off TV repackage rename re-give him a new vibe change the presentation 
have him become that dominant Wardlow that we know, change his name, do something here. But after this, after losing the TNT title now for like what, I think the third or the fourth time, having like 30 to 70 day reigns average between those couple title reigns, let's just take him off TV for a bit and let's kind of rebuild what this Wardlow character is and who he is as a wrestler. Luchasaurus and Christian are definitely going to have some beef here. I, I can already tell from where this kind of match ended with Christian grabbing the title. So I'm excited to see Luchasaurus and Christian go at it. I'd like the payoff to be Christian winning the title. I think Christian deserves the title. He's been doing some incredible heel work for AEW. After this, we get one of the one of the better matches on the collision card, but one of the funnier matches for me personally. Um, we are getting Buddy Matthews versus Andrade El Idolo. Andrade is coming back and making his 2023 debut for AEW. So he has not been on television for a very, very long time. And what a shame because he's so freaking talented, man. He's what he was so good. I like his NXT run um, back when he was with NXT was so fire. Like the main roster stuff didn't translate too hot, but his freaking NXT stuff was mwah, chef's kiss. Buddy Matthews and Andrade have a fantastic match. Such a great match that at one point I thought both of these dudes got hurt. They were selling their asses off. We go to like a, a commercial picture in picture, and we've got kind of like the corner men in the ring, you know, the, the health guys, the, med, the, the medical staff. Wow, the health guys. Sheesh. A lot of wrestling this week, guys. I'm a little fried from all the wrestling. Um, we get the medical professionals checking in on them, but as soon as we come back from commercial break, them boys go at it. Great match. Andrade gets the win. Uh, in what, what I call a statement match for him. He is back. He wins this match with an ode to his mommy, Charlotte Flair, hitting the figure eight to let to make Buddy Matthews tap out. And I say the comment of his mommy because Buddy Matthews' mommy is in WWE. So I thought this was very funny. Somebody posted a meme the other day. They're like, uh, Buddy Matthews versus Andrade El Idolo. And they posted, instead of just their match card picture, it was... The picture from Charlotte and Rhea from WrestleMania, and that got a big pop out of me. I chuckled for a good couple minutes on that one. I love the I love the um, the playing off of you know both of their significant others. Obviously, it's not a secret that Charlotte and Andrade are married, and Buddy and Rhea are dating. Um, There's a very funny sign uh, from somebody with uh, with the sign in the crowd that got me. It said, "Hey, Buddy, ain't it funny how Dami stole your mommy?" Uh, whoever you are with that sign, great sign. I feel for, for Buddy, he gets a lot of slack for this whole thing. The Acclaim made a joke about him getting cucked by Dom at uh, Double or Nothing during the open house uh, uh, match between the Acclaimed and, and House of Black. Just just poor guy, man. I love you, Buddy. You know, you're, you're, you're an outstanding performer in the ring, uh, and, and this House of Black is hitting for me. Now, guys, after the match, does end House of Black attack Andrade, potentially setting up the trios match between House of Black and LFI. This was really good. I like this. It keeps some awesome things moving forward in the trios division. And House of Black versus LFI is going to be a hard-hitting trios affair. Kevin Kelly and Nigel McGinnis have some great calls throughout this match. There are some stutters here and there. Um, they're definitely finding their, their kind of chemistry, right? Um, but I like them on commentary throughout the night. They did a great job. 
Miro is back as well. So we've got a lot of welcome backs tonight. Welcome back to CM Punk. Welcome back to Andrade. And welcome back to Miro the Redeemer. And rightfully freaking so. Miro is so criminally underrated in the ring. He's so good. I was a big fan of him in WWE. Rusev Day, when he first debuted, John Cena versus him at WrestleMania. Him coming with the tank. And I know him and Lana, you know, did the nasty in the tank. Don't remind me. But... Dude, Miro is so freaking talented, and the fact that he wasn't on TV due to an injury, due to backstage drama, whatever it is, I don't know. There was always the rumors coming out. Uh, is criminal. Miro beats the shit out of Tony Nese. Tony Nese does get some nice offense in. Miro gets the win, hits the camel clutch. That one was for you, Bubba. Rest in peace, Iron Sheik. Miro gets the win here. Great match. Happy Miro's back. Can't wait to see what he's going to do here on Collision. I hopefully he takes that belt off of Luchasaurus if the TNT title becomes the permanent title fixture for Collision. If not, get this man a title at some point, please. Next up, we got a tag match with uh, Chicago's own Sky Blue and Willow Nightingale, New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong Champion, taking on AEW Women's Champion Tony Storm and Ruby Soho, members of the Outcast. Once again, there was some report that uh, Soraya has not been uh, with AEW the last couple days, last week or whatever. Not really sure what's going on. Not my place. I don't get into the rumor mill. I don't get into speculation. I talk about what I see and some of the news that is confirmed. I'll discuss rumors here and there, but I don't get into them. They're not my thing. I don't deal with the rumor. Sky Blue and Willow Nightingale get the win. We see an awesome code red from Sky Blue. Like I said here just you know, 20 minutes ago in the show, Sky Blue is improving in the ring beautifully. Like She's really talented. She's got the look, and she's got the in-ring ability. So she's a fantastic addition to the women's uh, division for AEW, and I hope her stock keeps rising because, like I said earlier, pun intended, the sky's the limit for Sky Blue. The Outcast, yeah, guys, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the whole Outcast thing. I want Tony Storm to branch away from them. I want Tony Storm to kind of go back to when she kind of first came on the scene. Um, I want to see Tony Storm hit her stride. You know, she's a good women's wrestler like she didn't get to really showcase her potential on the main roster in wwe she's getting to show it in AEW. so let's show it let's get her out of this group let's pull her solo and let's really send her you know to that next level uh after this guys you know what's coming the main event samoa joe jay white juice robinson bullet club gold taking on cmftr cm punk your aew world tag team champions ftr in trios action for CM Punk re-debut. Great trios freaking match, guys. From start to finish, action, high, high octane. Um, there's not much I can say that people will already say that you have to see it for yourself. This is another match recommendation for me. Go out there, watch this match. Saturday Night Collision uh, is going to be a great show, I have a feeling. Now, with the main event, we have not seen CM Punk versus Samoa Joe since 2004 when they had a three-match trilogy classic. It had been 6,518 days, Kevin Kelly sent on commentary, since those two had squared off in the ring, and damn, it was worth the damn wait. Those two beat the piss out of each other. So I don't know what people want to say about, oh, like, Punk is, you know, this or that. And, like, Punk went out there with Samoa Joe, and Samoa Joe chop that man's chest off so i don't know what you guys want one more from cm punk like the guy's busting his ass just like the elites busting their ass on dynamite so whether these two what are the elite and cm punk cross paths and they end up making it all work out 
CM Punk being a permanent fixture on Collision Saturday nights is going to be perfectly fine with me and is going to be perfectly fine for the fans. You guys are going to come to get over all this stuff. It's going to be water under the bridge in a few months, a year, whatever. Uh, and you guys are going to be so happy that you have another wrestling show to watch on Saturday nights when everybody is intermingling and everything is, is working awesome. Some, some notable awesome moments here um, in this match was Samoa Joe had CM Punk in the sleeper. Almost got Punk to pass out. Uh, the FTR boys were able to make the save, get him out. The ending of the match was sick. I had a feeling that Jay White nor Samoa Joe were going to eat a pin by CM Punk or FTR. Uh, so I had a feeling that Juice Robinson was going to do the job. Juice Robinson ends up taking the Shatter Machine finisher from FTR, transitioning right into a GTS from CM Punk. CM FTR get the win here for the debut main event of AEW Collision with a really fun main event, guys. Like it was fun, it was high octane, there was a lot of action, there was a lot of flying. FTR did some top rope uh, sequences. CM Punk did the, the flying elbow. Jay White hit his peak. I never thought we'd see Jay White and CM Punk wrestle. Never thought we'd see CM Punk and Samoa Joe wrestle again. So I like where this is headed. Let's keep it up. Let's keep the momentum going for next week's episode of freaking Collision, guys. Like, let's, get, let's keep the momentum. And that's where I said at the beginning of this segment was where I would have liked to see a storyline branch out for next Saturday. We didn't get that, but that's okay. After the match, uh, I saw it on social media that, you know, Punk and FTR, you know, were, you know, did a cut of promo, you know, and supporting, uh, you know, the LGBTQ community, the youth community, um, really awesome stuff from them. You know, they're really big allies and, and that just goes to show you who they are as people. They care about the fans, they care about communities. So just really awesome stuff. They also had references to uh, Pride Month on their gear as well, Punk and FTR. So, you know, wh whatever you guys want to say about, you know, Punk, the elite, all of these these four individuals, five if you count Kenny, like Adam Page, Kenny Omega, uh, Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks, uh, and CM Punk. They care about the community. They care about wrestling. They care that they want something out there for the fans to be great. They want this to be great. And they also care about you know those causes out there, like the LGBT community. They're allies. They're always Hangman Adam Page. I know that. Kenny Omega support you know trans uh, kids and everything. So just goes to show you how they are as people they care about the community they care about everybody they want wrestling to be inclusive so why is there this discourse and why is there such hate in the wrestling community that's a question for you guys mouth off with me on social media let me know what's going on here with the AEW fan base are you guys okay like can we get over this can we come together and enjoy pro wrestling and really be passionate about what we love and that's just going out there and watching wrestling you know, that's, that's what I have to say. And I think that kind of ties into the final mouth off here um, for the show is... All right, guys, we're back. The final segment of Mouthing Off with Mike. The final mouth off with Mike. And guys, this episode was a long one. If you hung in this far, if you listened in this far... Uh, you guys deserve an award. This is probably going to be uh, the second longest or possibly the longest episode of the show due to the addition of AEW Collision. We now have three shows from WWE. We have three shows from AEW. And I haven't even had a chance to talk about Impact and what's going on over there. Um, so it's crazy. So hopefully we can get kind of a, a better format here for the episodes per week. 
Um, the really big thought and, and consideration from your host here is going to be two episodes per week, one being dropping Saturday mornings with coverage of WWE from that past week, Raw, NXT, SmackDown, and then a second episode covering AEW from Dynamite, Rampage, and Collision coming out Sunday morning at the same time. It would still be the 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 12 uh, p.m. Eastern Standard Time time slot. So that's kind of been the big consideration. I'm going to put that in the poll of this episode, what we want to do going forward here for the show, with what you guys want to hear. Um, I know I know some people, I've heard feedback, some people you know, listen to WWE, skip through AEW, listen to the final mouth off, and you know that's how they listen to the show. Some people skip through WWE, listen to AEW, the final mouth off, and you know that's what they do. So if that's how we want to keep things rolling, then so be it. I'd like everyone to listen to you know the entirety of each episode because there's always some crazy sound bites and nuggets of you know information I may say. But what can you do, right? It's how you guys want to digest it and and listen to it. So I have no problem with it as long as you're listening, right? Um, so this week's final mouth toss is definitely going to piggyback onto what I just was saying in the final, uh, segment, you know, for AEW with collision is like, you know, what's going on with the fan bases, uh, in AEW, you know, you've got the elite side, you've got the CM Punk side, there's this division, you know, we had F the elite chance when CM Punk was doing his promo, uh, you know, we had F CM Punk chance, um, Wednesday when the elite were on TV. So it's just kind of like, guys. Before this whole thing broke down, you were fans of both. You were fans of the Elite. You were fans of CM Punk. Why can't you just be fans of both and let these guys work it out themselves? And, and like I said, you know, if this was something back in the day, I don't think we would have gotten to this point. I think we probably would have just receded it out, did the receipts in the ring, boom, bam, done, shake hands. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're now, we can work together. It's happened throughout the history of wrestling. There has been many rivalries of people that went from hating each other. One of the ones I think notably that I can remember from just watching in my childhood was Edge and Matt Hardy. Guys, Edge stole Matt Hardy's girl, stole Lita while Matt Hardy was on the shelf. And they turned that into, they turned a shoot into a work, guys. They literally turned that into an on-screen rivalry for Matt Hardy and Edge. And it was one of the craziest ones. And those guys were able to work it out. I'm sure in the first few matches or the first match, they probably worked a little stiff. But after that, I'm sure they were professionals and made it work. So why can't these guys make it work? You know, the other thing I'll say here is I think if these guys can work together, it's going to what what it's going to be the thing that brings AEW to that next level. If you get the feud of CM Punk and FTR versus the Elite, at at all out in in Wembley Stadium in August like if we can get it there if not then then you know let it be a slow burn let it be a slow build but if we get that match that's going to boost AEW to the next level in my opinion and I think it's going to be good for the fan base going to be good for the company it's going to be good for those guys to going to be cathartic you know they're going to be able to, to release that stress and that tension and work it out in the ring where the best of wrestlers over the course of history we're able to work out the toughest and the tensest uh, of situations in the ring. Do it where it needs to be done. Work it out in the ring, guys. Talk backstage. Come together. Everybody's a, a, an adult. You know, you're 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 grown ass men. Figure it out, guys. That's that's basically what I got to say. And the fans, stop jumping down each other's throats. Stop stop being so hypercritical and so hateful. Like, 
guys, this is pro wrestling. It's supposed to be fun. Like, keep pro wrestling fun. That's my final mouth off for this week. Go out there, watch some wrestling. Go out there. I recommend checking out the main event from Raw. Uh, Imperium, Guther, Kaiser versus KO and Sammy. I recommend checking out NXT, Corbin, Ilya, Dragunov. I recommend checking out that uh, six-man tag match with the schism, Tyler Bate, Wes Lee, and Mustafa Ali. I recommend checking out MJF and Adam Cole from Dynamite. The trios match with the BCC and the Young Bucks and had a, a Hangman Adam Page. The ending of Dynamite, which was insane. I recommend checking out Collision and I recommend checking out that main event from Collision with CMFTR taking on Bullet Club Gold, Jay White, Juice Robinson, and Samoa Joe. And I definitely recommend listening to CM Punk's promo. That's everything, guys. That's your week in pro wrestling from WWE to AEW. Wow. I get to take a break. I get to take a break for the week and be back next week. And hopefully we'll have a new format so we can get all of the wrestling that we see on our televisions into the topic of conversation, into the discussion. And don't forget, guys, next week we've got a pay-per-view weekend, so be on the lookout. I'm going to try to get an episode out for, for Forbidden Door and give you my thoughts on the Forbidden Door pay-per-view next Sunday. And don't forget, next week, another action-packed week of wrestling with Raw, NXT, Dynamite, SmackDown, Rampage, Collision, and Forbidden Door. So, don't forget to mouth off with me on social media, M-O-W-M underscore podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm sure we'll figure out the episode format down very soon. And go out there, guys. Go out there and enjoy some pro wrestling. And remember, keep pro wrestling fun. Now they off with Mike. Now they off with Mike. Now they off with Mike.